Buju Ginoa. This is Charles Smith. I'm Ojibwe from the Fond du Lac Reservation, and you're listening to the Middle of the Res Road podcast. Buju Anishinaabe Doug. This is Joel Boje. I'm an Ojibwe from the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa Indians. This is in collaboration with the Minnesota Tribal Contractors Council, a.k.a. MNTCC, the show that is designed to be the source of information about industry job opportunities, success stories, trainings, and upcoming projects for Native Americans. We also share about our culture and language because it is the foundation of our identities. Oh. Bujuginwa, this is the middle of the res road, and we're back with another impromptu episode, back to back episodes. And I'm Charles Smith, the one of the hosts of the podcast, and I'm today. I'm here with Diane Osceola, and she's from Leech Lake. She's a tribal contractor consultant. And she is currently working with Enbridge as a tribal liaison. Ani and Diane. Oh, bonjour. Uh, thank you for having me here. I appreciate it. Um, Indigenous cause, Wabi My Indian name is uh, Woman Who Walks Amongst Flowers. <clears throat> and I am a Leech Lake band member. Um, I'm a grandmother, mother, equay uh, all the way around. How about we start out with your... Consultant work. Uh, yes. How did you get into that? Well, it's kind of interesting, actually. <clears throat> I worked for uh, Leech Lake uh, Tribal Chairman for his first term. And in one of the meetings, uh, Enbridge was doing a uh, exercise out at Pikes Bay. And no one wanted to go and check it out. And all I could think of was, we want to know what's going on. So I asked uh, if I could attend. And I said, sure. So I went... Um, Patrick, who is the uh, tribal engagement person, he come and picked me up. I was so impressed with how they were operating it out there and the folks that I talked with. <clears throat> and after meeting Patrick, and I was there for the day, and we stayed in touch. And it came about that they were looking for a tribal liaison and asked if I'd be interested. And I thought, what better way to know what's going on? Before I took the job, though, I talked to um, the majority of tribal council on why I was taking this, um, because we do need somebody there to know what's going on. So, and that was one of the best moves in my career I've made. I've been in Indian gaming for probably over 25 years. I started with them in 91. But yeah, I'm very happy where I'm at. They're very respectful. I've had an opportunity to do more for our tribal members um, via working through Enbridge than I was able to do when I worked for the tribe. So that's awesome. Anything I can do for our people, you know, I look forward to. Yeah, I think about the tribal liaison positions happening in different companies at the Mm -hmm. state level, fed level, and they all, it seems like tribes are just, just finally catching on. Mm Mm-hmm seems like I, I know that working with tribal liaisons, there's, they send us job opportunities mm-hmm. or trainings. But what I don't like seeing is when we get job opportunities or training opportunities on our home reservation, mm-hmm. no one knows about it because it, it gets sent via email or 
um, gets posted on um, the outside of a board. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nobody really looks at boards anymore when you post right. up paper stuff. And so what I've been trying to do is get the opportunities out there via website. Because I just think it's really important. I, I really want to see people and tribal liaison positions or take opportunities to learn yes. anything. And they're out there. <clears throat> Years ago, I, I worked for uh, American Indian OIC. So I got to meet with uh, the different um, companies, private and public sectors, because they wanted our Indian people out there, you know, to meet the minority. Back then, it was a minority quarters with affirmative action. <clears throat> so I was able to assist with that. And I always told them, whoever I sent over there, use it. They need us. Take your, get your foot in the door, you know, and go from there. It's a great learning opportunity, and that's what this is. You know, the jobs that are available, you know, it's just not working at Enbridge. These are skills you can take anywhere and utilize. I think it's a wonderful opportunity for our people. So do you network a lot? Oh, definitely, yes. How does that go? <clears throat> well, I'm involved in so many things. Indian country is pretty small, especially, like I said, I worked in gaming for so long. Everybody knows everybody. So it's an awesome way to network. Uh, the people I've known, uh, I had one of the gals, we were traveling up in Canada from Enbridge, and she's like, who don't you know when we run stop at all these places? So it's such an opportunity to um, share with folks, because some of them don't know the job opportunities we have available. <clears throat> so that opportunity is just out there for the youth, and even, you know, um, our more mature people. You know, there's just so many ways they can branch off into this and, you know, make a good living for themselves and their family and, and be able to turn it around into the community also. Was it scary taking a chance after being vetted within the Leisure Lake organization? You know, mm-hmm. you, you worked for the uh, during the first term of the chairman and then you've done 25 years in the gaming mm-hmm. up there. Was it a bit of a... Did it feel like a risk, or did you just want to try something new? Do you mean going to Enbridge from the tribe? Or? Yeah. Um, actually. Like I, switching gears. Yeah. Now, I looked at it as a challenge and an opportunity to kind of branch out in different ways. And I wouldn't use the word scary. What it is, <clears throat> especially with, you know, all the past history of, um, of uh, oil pipelines and that kind of thing, to where, you know, you are going to come across some people who just – don't know and aren't educated on some of these topics. So the good thing is I've been able to get more information that I can share because there's so many things that people just don't know. And knowledge is power. So the more knowledge you can get out there and share the information, the more powerful it is for people to know, grow, and make their own determination and decisions on you know, some of the things that they want to do for uh, their family and their life to better, for betterment. And the community. It affects everybody. Uh, I think it's wonderful myself. I've seen what it's done out there in the communities. And it seems like you're, no matter what, no matter what information you have, no matter how factual it is, we're combating social media at the same time for Mm -hmm. whatever. If it's Ojibwe language, if it's Ojibwe culture, if it's gaming, if it's, hey, I heard somebody say this. (laughs) <laughs> and it, you know it goes all the way down there and it becomes facts mm-hmm. so and it's it's interesting that it happens everywhere it does it, you know look at the news on tv it's it's everywhere 
It's just trying to get the right stuff out there and just to educate folks. I've been going to some of our local uh, Indian Council meetings, and some of the questions that came up, I was surprised because they thought we just took anybody's land and just did what we wanted. <laughs> and no, there's a process, and there's a lease, and there's different things involved. So it was an eye-opener for a couple of the places I spoke at. They had all kinds of questions. So I try to stay as well-educated as I can. But, you know, we have so much going on out there. We have people who are, um, uh, that's their specialty. So sometimes I'll have to refer out or uh, tell them, give me a little bit, and I'll get the answer for you. i got to check into it. So it's, I'm just, it, it's a wonderful opportunity that we have here. And I want to share with as many of our people as we can that they can benefit from it and grow for their families. So becoming a cultural consultant, how do you, I guess, what, what does that exactly mean? Well, that's a good question because we, ha- we have so many cultures out here throughout the, I'll just say throughout Minnesota, <clears throat> but as a cultural resource, I look at it as an opportunity to share what I've learned through my upbringing, and I've had wonderful mentors, spiritual people from Canada, uh, South Dakota, through Minnesota, that I've been blessed with as teachers. And so I want to share, you know, because we need that. We need our our healing. We need our cultural background to keep us strong and grounded. So it's a wonderful opportunity because I can use things that I know and that come from my heart and my soul. So I, I love it. I'm just tickle pink with the opportunities that I get. How... How much of your knowledge stems directly from Leech Lake? Mm, I'd say the majority of it, but I was away to school a lot, too, when I was younger. I was one of the lucky ones that went to a good boarding school <laughs> back then. But, yeah, I was always away to school. And did your parents speak Ojibwe, or when did they? Um, my mom and grandma did. Uh, Dad wasn't real fluent, so he didn't like, <laughs> like him using the language because he thought they might have been making comments, so we weren't pretty much allowed to then. But, you know, through school, you weren't, you know, we couldn't talk our language. We couldn't use our culture. That's why when I said I went to a boarding school in New Mexico that embraced our culture, it was awesome with our artwork and different uh, cultural things that we did there. So I had some good opportunities. Um, Sorry, I think I got a little distracted from your question. No, I appreciate the answer, and then... You know, taking it further, you, you said your mom and grandmother spoke Ojibwe. Mm-hmm. So how much of that, how much of their cultural knowledge got passed on to the children? Well, to, I, I have a good handful of siblings. And, you know, it's just like with our children nowadays. Some are interested and some aren't. So I've kind of been the um, main person like with my grandkids or my nieces and nephews I'm the one who talks to them about the tobacco about putting it out when it rains um, how to talk to the spirits uh, bring up jibais different things so you know I try to keep the kids learning and gosh you got to get them when they're little because they pick up Ojibwe like right now I I can quiz all my grandkids and they're like yeah I know that word (laughs) yeah Leisure Lake has a rich culture Mm -hmm. and as a visitor when I go up there I try never to I try you know the best thing that I one of the best things I've learned is is learning my culture and learning from a, having a good amount of teachers mm-hmm. like yourself um everybody comes into your life for a reason yeah mm-hmm. but then 
being a good visitor in the places, not trying to change their right. ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good practice. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because you don't want to be disrespectful because everybody does things a little differently. And so you just kind of watch and learn. Yeah, and it's it's interesting trying to teach people that. It's just a little, you know, this is, I understand this. It's this pretty much the same thing, but they do it this way here. Mm-hmm. But we do the same thing, but we do it this way over here. Yeah, actually, we were just talking about that with the medicine wheel and the colors. You know, each tribe you know has a different location for their color east west or you know north and we're all taught a little differently it's the basics in general it's just a little switch on some of it what was some of the favorite things that you liked doing when you were a kid oh geez hanging out in the woods we made trails all over in the back (laughs) yes we were always out in the woods back then were you Doing any cultural activities like sugar bush or anything? Oh, like ricing, of course. We did ricing. Uh, being the older one in the family, I got to take the younger brothers out ricing. So um, I did a lot of swimming. <laughs> because they would flip the boat. Uh, yeah, the pulling gets a little wobbly and blink into the water you go. Were you the puller or knocker? Oh, I was a knocker. I did all the pounding. Mm-hmm. Do you still rice? No, I'm a little older right now. <laughs> When was the last time you went racing? Jeez, probably before I left home when I was 10 or 12. So I, I've been, like I said, I've been gone, gone away to school a lot. Yeah, and, and I still have to say this, especially while we're recording. I do really love Leech Lake Wild Race. Uh-huh. You guys have so many lakes up there, and it's unbelievable. And how you guys protect it, I admire that. Oh, we were very gifted with it. If you're not from there, you can't race. If you don't live within the boundaries, you can't race. Well, we'll help you out. I'll get you some race. (laughs) Yeah. I I love Leech Lake Wild Race. It's my favorite. That's my specialty when we do our events. I do the wild race. Uh, Rowan will do the walleye, and um, uh, Robert does the fry bread. So we got a good combination, too, when we have events. Events for... We do cultural events. We'll do, uh, um, mm, I don't want to call it groundbreaking, but before we uh, start doing anything to the ground, we'll come and bless it and do um, a ceremony there. And the same with uh, when we're closing it up. And if we're by water, we do water ceremonies. And we'll do cooking out there and have a little feast for folks and kind of explain some of the stuff we do. So it's it's a wonderful opportunity. And it's a good learning for those who, you know, are non-native that want to know more and to understand us. And if anyone's listening that might be try that might be considering working for a company like Enbridge or any other company, like as a tribal liaison or working in equity mm-hmm. and or anything like that. Mm-hmm. How did you know that Enbridge was really paying attention to you? Like what you were offering to teach them? Mm-hmm. Well, I've got to tell you, it's too bad we don't have more organizations who have the interest and the background to create more uh, cultural awareness. Enbridge has really stepped up on all kinds of things. Um, we have our reconciliation. There's um, our EI, is it Indigenous Resource, EIRG group. Yeah, Indigenous Employee, Employee Resource, Resource Group. group. Oh, sorry, I can never get those acronyms right. And then the right. reconciliation. Yeah, that's a whole plan of for the future on how we're going to work with tribes and uh, indigenous throughout um, uh, North America, including Canada. So with those 
things being implemented at Enbridge, um, how much did you work on there? Like, how much did you offer as a person that was, as a person of color? Mm-hmm. Um, usually that- they'll give it to me to read. And then if there's anything I see that might need to be changed or maybe worded differently, usually they'll fly um, anything they have like that pa- past me or a couple of the other liaisons. So we get a good chance to look at it and looks good or uh, we should probably change the verbiage a little bit. That's interesting. Editing. Yes, it, it is editing, but I consider them being very respectful to make sure that we get yeah, an for sure. opportunity to look at it and put our two cents worth in or what needs to be deleted or what didn't sound appropriate or maybe some better verbiage to use. Yeah, double checking everything mm-hmm. before it gets published. Yeah, I feel very honored that they um, trust me enough and would like me to look at it first prior to any kind of um, printing or posting. Yeah, that's a good practice. Man, yeah. I, I love that they use, they'll, you know, they have you as a tribal liaison. You're from the community. You know people from Canada all the way down to, to Oklahoma. Oh, easy past that. <laughs> or New Mexico. Yeah. New Mexico. So all the way to all, Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you are met a whole bunch of people and you get to look at it from all those lenses. Yes. And you can share the knowledge. You know, the things that they don't know out there. You know, for for Enbridge. Um, Enbridge has done a lot. I for the indigenous people, there's so much that they, you know, they don't go out and toot their horn on it. <clears throat> but for those of us who work here, we know they've done a lot out there. And I still, today I had a community member call and ask for some assistance with some of their programs that they're doing and um, some donations and helping out with their door prizes and to bring more people in and to raise money for the youth, um, our elders programs. And we were talking about this before, before we had, got started <laughs> can you explain your last name a little bit oh yes it, it throws everybody off Osceola I was married to a Seminole I'm a leech laker uh, my maiden name is Pemberton uh, my dad's family's from White Earth my ma's side is from Leech Lake so it's a little combination and also Canada my grandpa came from Canada mom's side and what happens when everybody says Osceola down south it's Osceola <laughs> not Osceola <laughs> And uh, was it a seminal from down south or Florida? Hollywood, Florida. Mm-hmm. Hollywood, Florida. Yeah, we met in New Mexico at a BIA boarding school. <laughs> oh, okay. It was an all art school. So, like I said, the boarding school I went to was a whole lot different than, you know, back how in the day. How did that happen? Like, how did you end up in New Mexico of all places? Uh, I was going to school and we had just moved and I was going to school in Coon Rapids. And back then... Racist. It was <laughs> racism was alive and well. It's so, still alive. Uh, it is, but this was so bad. You'd come around the hall and you'd say, you see these signs up during like football tournaments or basketball. Turn those chiefs into squaws. This kind of stuff, and it was just so offensive. And I basically told my mom I wasn't going to attend school there again. And so we started looking around, and with my art background, um, the Institute of American Indian Arts came up. And I applied and sent copies of my artwork there, and they accepted me. So I went to school in New Mexico in Santa Fe at the Institute of American Indian Arts. At what age? Uh, 16 and 17. Okay. I, gra- I graduated high school from there. They had postgraduate uh, college on one end of the campus, and on the other end they had uh, um, 
11th and 12th graders. And then did you go to college? Uh, yeah, I went to college 15 years after I got out of high school. I, after I got out of uh, Institute of American Indian Arts, came home long enough to make money to go to Florida <laughs> and s- stayed down there. And then I came up here when I was, uh, the week I was due with my son. And then we stayed up here. Um, geez, I, sorry, I got distracted again. What, did, what was your <laughs> question? <laughs> no, I was just wondering if you went to college after, oh, yes. afterwards, 15 yeah. years. Um, with all the work I did, I thought, you know, I started looking for other jobs and any place you went, federal or state, they just wanted some letters behind your name. So I got blessed here. I was one of the first uh, graduating classes for NACE. It's Native American Educational Services out of Chicago. They did a satellite project in Minneapolis. And I was one of the first graduates. I think there was 12 of us. And it was all indigenous-oriented. It was awesome. Everything except for the math we had to do. <clears throat> and knock on wood, I was on the National Dean's Honor List all my whole time I went to school, point four average. So and, I, you, and I never got that in school. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So what do you think about, like, you take a look at what the University of Minnesota is doing. They started doing free tuition to enrolled members. Mm-hmm. And then you take it, the program that you worked, that you went into, and you got your bachelor's Yes, degree? Bachelor of Arts. So how how different is it now you see opportunities like that for enrolled members? Mm-hmm. What about the opportunities that you had? How scarce were they or Very how scarce. frequent? You had, you had to apply for your Pell Grant and all these other scholarships that you had to pay back. Um, and now with this free tuition, which actually, if you think about it, treaties, government is supposed to pay for our health care and our education. Took a little bit for <laughs> to get them going on both, but at least we got it now to a degree. So I think it's a wonderful opportunity because we can get people into technology, get our kids going into s- different STEMs programs. There's because technology is where it's going. So the more educated folks we can get in there, the better. How much did education change your life? It changed my life a lot. I was able to make a decent living for my family, and and actually, <laughs> when it, as a single parent back then, I got frustrated because I couldn't you know, make any decent money. I ended up going into construction. I was a union carpenter for probably six years. I worked in big commercial buildings. I could stay working all winter long. I made good money. I actually went through my two last pregnancies as a union carpenter in the uh, commercial world. And and it's good skills you can take and use later. Yeah, use on your own Mm -hmm. homes. Yeah. You have a wealth of experiences <laughs> and knowledge. I can just tell by just listening to your stories. When you say you get distracted, I'm going to just try to just listen to you tell my tell your story. Uh, it's awesome. I've lived a while, <laughs> and I've experienced some really good things. Even the bad things that come across your life are learning experiences. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, when I went to that exercise at Pikes Bay, when I came back. Uh, Patrick was giving me all these Enbridge um, swag items. And I was like, okay, hmm, I'm going to go back to the tribal building with, you know, bags that say Enbridge and all these little goodies. And But here's a good example of taking what you can utilize and what will make better. People started going through the bags. Oh, I can use this. I can use that. And they actually took a lot out of all the bags. So really, you can 
pick and choose, you know, what you need, the good, the bad, and learn. And, you know, you can find something to use that's worthwhile and, and put a positive twist on. And they did. I was kind of surprised. So it's like, yeah, everybody took something out of those bags. Oh, I can use it for this. And so it was a, uh, I liked it because at first they're like, what? <laughs> and Virginia. <laughs> and then they all started digging through the bags and finding goodies. So it, it turned out well. And you just seem like a personal person where you can connect with your fellow members up there. Oh, and yes. And everyone I, else. Uh, it's, I, I don't know. It's kind of easy, I guess. For, for me, it is. You know, we've got a lot going on. And, you know, we're all learning. And we're just human beings here trying to get along in the world. So when you were a construction worker, and, you know, mothers are just better at doing this than fathers, you know, practicing empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. I'm learning it as I get older, you know, how important that is. When you were in construction, were, <laughs> were you rougher? Hey, I, I, had to re, I had to retrain my language after I got home. Calm down, calm down. Um, so you held your own. Oh, yeah, you had to. And back then, I was usually the only female on the job site. So there was a lot of BS you had to put up with. Um, Yeah, but I didn't put up with it. They didn't know I knew other routes to go. So, you know, they they were learning too. A lot of the the older construction guys were really good. It was those young ones that were kind of, I won't say buttheads. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, they they were learning. And, yeah, so they needed the school of hard knocks in some cases, but... Yeah, I was actually, back when I worked construction, I worked, I was with local uh, 1644 for the carpenters, and there was only a handful of us ladies back then that worked. How many native ladies? Uh, I would say... Even fewer? Three. Three. Yes, that I remember off the top of my head. And then there was a couple of uh, black gals. So yeah, there was only a handful of us, and anytime on any job site, I was usually the only female. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> it sounds like it. Where was your favorite place to live? You lived everywhere, so mm-hmm. where was the favorite place? Minnesota. Minnesota. It's just coming home. Like when I was away to school, you'd get close to the state and open the windows up and you could just smell home, <laughs> the trees, everything. Yes. I don't know. It's something about this big lake right here. Mm-hmm. Lake Superior. Um, sometimes I think about moving and then... You feel it. It's the spirit. You just feel it. Mm -hmm. But taking trips, taking trips and getting away is nice too. Yes. Because it's good to see other places. You know, expand your your little world out a bit. But yeah, it's coming home. It's always been coming home. You can smell it and feel it. (laughs) When I moved to the cities, I didn't think I was moving back. Ah. At least for a long time. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to stay down there longer and I got a job up here and they coaxed me back uh. to come up here. So I moved back up here and I came back after being down in the cities for two years. But something about this lake, and you yes. guys got that huge lake up there too. Mm-hmm. It's the draw, it's the spirit of it, you know. My granddaughters know to put the backwater in the lake before they go swimming. Um, yes, we try to honor the water as much as we can. Is there anything else that you want to share? Well, I'm, I appreciate you. Um, asking me to come and do this. I've been wanting to do this for a while, and little kinks kept getting in the way, so it worked out pretty good today. So thank you for inviting me over and uh, the opportunity to speak, and if there's anything I can do or be a resource to help anybody. We just got done making dream catches for uh, it was a little class of teaching, so that was a lot of fun. But yeah, 
It's just sharing our knowledge. And are the tribal liaisons, you know, if anybody wants to reach out, because you're just an awesome person. Uh, oh, I'm going to reach out. Thank you. Um, on the directory at Enbridge, mm-hmm. can they find you? I don't tribal think liaisons? I'm on the directory. Not yet. Um, well, You're going to have to yeah, something change have to, that. Yeah, check on, because I know somebody was looking for me because uh, they Check were looking for cards. work. Yes, sir. I sure do. Okay. I'll, I'll get you one. Yeah, we can put it up there with the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, there's Red Lake, Wet Earth, um, Malax, and myself. So there's four of us. And Fond du Lac. Oh, yes. Well, Fond du Lac, I'm not sure if they have a actual tribal liaison. Oh. Because everything's working so well over there. They just need us to kind of help out with little odds and ends. Yeah, no, you guys are doing awesome work, and I'm glad that positions like this are opening up yes. all over all over the country for Indian people to work. And these companies, private and public sectors, are finally waking up that, you know, they need us out there, and how do they work with our culture? I used to do that a long time ago when I worked for American Indian OIC. I'd talk to these companies in the private private excuse me, private and public sector, because they couldn't figure out why they couldn't keep Indian people working. They're like, well, somebody passed away, so they said they'd be gone for a week or two. (laughs) Yes, traditionally, sometimes they can take that. Um, Or, you know, why can't we keep them working? And they said, they don't look at us. I said, you're taught you listen with your ears, not... I said, that's kind of rude when you're staring at somebody is how we're brought up. So there's, you know, cultural things that the outside world needs to understand a little bit better about us. I have an idea of how we can end this episode. All right. All right. So for anyone who's on a, on the fence, you know, when I... Teetering. Been, yeah, teetering <laughs> or uh, that works for the tribe, from the tribe, mm-hmm. and they get this opportunity to become a tribal liaison or work for another mm-hmm. company. What would you tell yourself or what would you tell them if you were on the fence of, hey, should I do this opportunity would this be all right, right for me, or could I actually make a difference? What would you tell those? See, people? and that's the key thing is for me, it's to make a difference, you know. And if if the individual's questioning it, you know, should I or shouldn't I? It's like go with your soul. If if you feel you can make a difference, that's why I took it because I thought you know I can make a better um, impact and a, um, add to uh, opportunity for our people to make an impact. And I guess I would just tell them to do it, you know. Um, And it can't hurt anything. It's a learning opportunity. You know, you get in there, and if it doesn't work for you, hey, it happens, and you just, you know, move on to the next thing. Another door will open up. You know, if something closes, there's a reason for everything. I'm a very strong believer of there's a reason for everything. And the people you meet, the people you come across, there's always a reason why you touched their lives or they touched yours so i would tell them to go for it can't hurt i can't wait until i have another conversation with you you're awesome i <laughs> well, appreciate thank you, you coming on well i appreciate being asked and i should have done this sooner but we had a great opportunity here so thank you so much for having me Miigwech. oh take care you too <laughs> till we meet again uh-huh